the Shy Chat Podcast, stories that connect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Shy Chat Podcast with your host, Peter Ramhold. Thanks for joining us to hear about a storied journey of Ron Seymour and his commitment to both servant leadership and individual service. During this podcast, we hear real-world stories of leadership, empathy, and putting people first, a good reminder to us all, especially as we approach a full year of working remotely. Ron's commitment to his people and willingness to connect, both during his time in the Marines and now at KPMG, is what makes him a genuine leader. As you know, February is Black History Month, which is a perfect time to reaffirm our commitment to Accelerate 2025. The objective of Accelerated 2025 is to ensure underrepresented talent, which includes individuals who are black and with a military background, select KPMG as their employer of choice and have the opportunity to succeed. Through this initiative, we are striving to build greater visibility into our efforts both in and outside of the firm over the next five years. As a firm and as a community, we must empower diverse thought, create opportunities, and cultivate impactful experiences. As you will shortly learn, our podcast guest has faced times of adversity throughout his life, but has shown remarkable courage in the face of it and is leading the charge towards a more equitable future for all. Ron opens up the podcast by sharing how he has lived most of his life being the only African American in the room, from growing up in Cleveland to enlisting in the Marine Corps and now in the corporate world. Listen to how he learned early on to put people first and how he leverages the leadership skills he gained in the Marines to instill in his team that managers do things the right way, leaders do the right thing. Welcome to the Shot Chat Podcast, Ron. We're happy to have you on. Hey, thank you, Peter. I'm looking forward to it. So when we were first chatting before we got on air here, you were mentioning that 80 to 90% of your life, you walk into a room where people look different than you. And that was really striking to me. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah, Peter, you you know, just being an African-American growing up in the uh, U.S. And, you know, I think about my career as being a Marine officer and now in consulting. Pretty much most of the time I walk in the room, whether that was in the office building or if that was, uh, you know, with the officers in the Marine Corps. I was the only one. I was wow. the only African-American in the room. And what I will tell you is being an African-American, that is something you learn. That is something that you have to be taught. and You have to learn how to interact with people who don't look like you. And I will tell you some of my contemporaries and peers, maybe even like yourself, don't really have to experience that or have never experienced that in their lives where they walked into a room and maybe they walked into a room and they went to a party and it was all African-Americans and maybe they were the only one. That's just a different feeling. Yeah, that's that's really remarkable, Ron. And and, and so going from that, I kind of want to go back to where it all started and like you growing up and where where you kind of where your journey began. So is this something that you've always experienced and had to learn from? Can you talk to us a bit about that? No, you know, I grew up in in the inner city of Cleveland. You know, I have three sisters. My mother was a uh, single mom. And eventually we moved out. uh, She got remarried, and we moved out to Cleveland Heights. 
So I thought that that was a a rewarding or different experience because Cleveland Heights was primarily white at the time. So I had moved from the inner city of Cleveland where everyone looked like me. Everyone was African-American, my school, primarily my teachers, to an environment where I moved in seventh grade, where I went into a middle school and uh, very few teachers. I I don't even think I had one African-American teacher. And the ratio of white to black was very, I mean, it was very low as far, it was very high, excuse me. So that was an interesting time in my life where I had to transition from, you know, a, a, I would say a community like my like mine where I was comfortable to a community where I was uncomfortable because I didn't know that community. Wow. So so can you tell us about a few like the lessons you learned when moving from that community and seventh grade? That's a very uh, you know transitory part of your life as you're really starting to grow up from a boy into a man. Yeah, you know, I just think back. I think that it gave me an opportunity. There were people who cared. You know, there were teachers who cared. There were uh, people in the community who cared. And I think that that kind of opened my eyes because the world was really black and white, and primarily it was just black to me. So I move out to Cleveland Heights. And again, I'm moving into an area. It was it was some African-Americans there and we were very close. But that really branched me out to having friends that didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. In certain cases, you know, when you first meet them, it was so funny. I may have to check a couple of them because they may have said something racist or something. Again, this was something that <laughs> they had never like interacted with. This was mm-hmm. new to me. It was certain people that, hey, I may have gotten into a scuffle with that uh, we're probably friends today. You know, we had to learn through that. But I'll I'll tell you one interesting thing that happened to me. I I remember I was in ninth grade, you know, and again, I moved to a community at that time that was um, heavily Jewish. I I still didn't know much about that. And I remember, and I'm going to age myself here a little, Peter. Uh, (laughs) Me and my friends were laughing at, uh, you know, a show called Hogan's Hero. We just thought that was kind of the funniest thing. And here's a group of kids on the other side. One guy in particular, you know, has something on his head. I don't really understand what that is. That even at that particular time, um, hadn't really educated myself on that. And he was very upset. He was very upset with me. He was very upset with my friends and the jokes we were making over a sitcom that was on TV. So really it came to head, you know, it looks like we were about to have a, a fight here and this was not going to end pretty well because that it was definitely along maybe racial lines. If you just came into the room and look, but I had a, a, a civics teacher, Mr. Miro, he was really good, really impacted me. And what he did was, and I learned this as a leader, he really could have taken us down to the office right then. We could have been in a lot of trouble. We could have been punished. And then they would have given us an excuse to blame people in authority, blame people who don't Mm -hmm. look like me, blame a lot of things. Mm -hmm. What Mr. Mural did was he really had us educate ourselves. He had me educate myself on uh, Holocaust, things like that. He had the other guy who was Jewish educate himself on black history, slavery, So what he did was he put us in a position to educate ourselves so we could educate others. We came back and did a presentation and we ended up being really good friends. And I just think something like that, I think 
quickly we want to punish or we don't take time to educate. And Mr. Mural, as a uh, authority figure, a teacher who was a leader at that particular point, taught me a lesson that sometimes instead of doing something, how about take the time, listen to both sides, educate both, make sure they educate each other. And I've always tried to just think about that as a leader. I feel like we need more teachers out there like Mr. Mural, huh? Yeah, he was, he was pretty good. And again, I remember that to this day. And those are some of the things that I try to, um, you know, that served me well as I moved through high school and Marine Corps and here at KPMG. Okay, Ron. So then, okay, so you just mentioned that after high school, did you uh, enlist in the Marine Corps straight away? Yeah, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. You know, I, I, I wasn't ready for college. I, I didn't. I visited my sister down at Ohio University. I saw the freedom. And I said, well, if I come here, there's no way I'll be going to school. So. So I took that opportunity. I enlisted in the Marine Corps. Uh, you know, I saw the world. And, I, and Peter, I would say, again, now I went from Cleveland Heights at the time that primarily was white and black. Mm-hmm. I went to a multicultural organization. This was the first time I'd interacted with Hispanics, a lot of different types of people. Again, mm-hmm. in boot camp. And then I was stationed in California. And then I was on sea duty. I was going around the world. It really opened my eyes to different groups of people, different cultures. I used the foundation that I was taught to make sure that I educated myself on a lot of different things and a lot of different cultures. It's really cool. Yeah, it seems like that would have been quite a transformation. I mean, like you're growing up in the inner city of Cleveland to Cleveland Heights to then going to the Marine Corps. Um, what were some of those lessons that you learned at the young age that you were able to apply as you were in the Marine Corps? Well, again, it goes back to walking in a room. I think the thing about it was, you know, you go to boot camp and again, the Marine Corps is not that many African-Americans in the Marine Corps. So don't, I still love the Corps, but it's not that many. Mm-hmm. So here I am in an organization, uh, very steep in tradition, honor, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm in a place, again, where it's few of us and we're all tight. But I, I would tell you the ability to relate, talk to different types of people, take time to learn people, uh, take time to understand how to manage up, how to manage laterally, how to manage downward, and just be in situations where it took me from being a small unit leader to squad to a larger leader and you learn so many lives. And what you really learn is leadership is about people. While we did have a mission, you really have to connect with people to reach a goal. And that was critical. And, and I, again, I think the move from Cleveland to Cleveland Heights kind of prepped me with that because I was able, again, to understand and learn those. How do I walk into a room where people may not be talking about the same things or grew up like I did? How do I relate? How do I find common ground? Yeah, and, and I feel like that's a valuable skill you probably apply to your day-to-day job now at KPMG. Oh, you have to. You, you have to. Again, if you look around when I walk into a room, generally, whether that's uh, clients or whether that is here at KPMG, I may be generally the only African-American in the room. And again, I would think that probably, and I wouldn't say probably, I know women can feel that way, that they've sure they've walked in to a place where they're the only woman. So I know how that feels. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I try to make sure that I make people comfortable who are around me. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they appreciate you at least talking about it and, and bringing that up. Um, and Ron, going back to your time in, in the military, I feel like you leading these diverse teams is that's quite an experience as, as, as a young, as a young adult kind of growing and developing. And you talk about, you know, the success of finding these teams coming together as one, but you know, they talk about the storming, norming, performing, you know, of the teams. Right, right, right. Do, you, do you have any good like storming stories of the days where things weren't going quite perfect and you kind of had to step in and really flex your leadership muscle? Well, I'll take it back to this, Peter. You know, I spent four years enlisted, and I think that gave me a foundation for leadership. So enlisted, I just remember being, you know, out in the woods, being rained on and, you know, in the mud saying, oh, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. This is not what I want to do. So, and I was thinking, I was saying, and, you know, my peers were in college and I should be there. But I grew a lot within that four years. And I'll say I left there and I went to Southern University, which is a historically black college in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in ROTC and I uh, got promoted to the rank of battalion commander. And I will tell you, it was more storming there. I thought the hardest leadership challenge I ever had was there when I was leading the Southern University and LSU Naval ROTC Battalion, uh, 150 of us, because leading your friends, making decisions with people Mm -hmm. you have to live with or socialize Mm -hmm. with is a lot different than making a decision here at KPMG where you go home. You I had to make some unpopular decisions for the battalion. But I, I, I tell everyone, you know, just think about leading your friends, people that you're living in the dorm with people that you may have had to come down hard on or make a decision that they did not agree with. They're not afraid to tell you they don't agree with that decision, (laughs) Um, you know, in a social setting, but you have to stick with, you know, this is why I made the decision. So what that did was it helped me make tough, taught me how to make those tough decisions and explain those tough decisions and come to common ground with people to agree to disagree, but at least they understood my rationale. Yeah, I think that, yeah, you, the, the stakes are much higher, right? It's not like, especially now with all of us in our own homes, but yeah, you know, it, if you're in the office and you get to go home, that's different than having your buddies that are going to be living right down the hall from you. Right, right, right. And I think, again, we say, hey, we're in the Marine Corps 24 hours, seven days a week, and I'm sure people like uh, Eric Haas will laugh at this because it's just the military. I'm sure they said the same things in the uh, in the Army, but I think that, you know, you try to apply those principles. It comes back to just caring about people. You know, the Marine Corps taught me, they said the mission of a leader is to accomplish the goal and take care of your people. I think too many times people want to reach one and not two. So I think that that's important because that's how you accomplish the goal is by taking care of your people. I learned that in the Marine Corps because it's the 24-7 you take care of people, you're around them a lot more, and uh, it's just a very, very important part. Yeah, Ron, that, that, that's profound, like talking about taking care of the person first. And I think that's something that, you know, as managers, it's something that we can all, you know, kind of work on it and try to focus on as we go about our day-to-day life. And that kind of leads me to my next question about of the time in the Marine Corps, you know, as enlisted men and then as a leader, as you moved your way up, 
Is there like a specific time or a lesson and something that you learn and you kind of go back to when you're having a tough team, uh, a tough team day or a, a tough challenge in your job at KPMG that you kind of go back and, and lean on? Well, I think the, um, being a Marine Corps officer was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I mean, I got a chance to lead Marines. I think that's an honor in itself. Probably a time. I, it was a couple of times. I remember we had, I had one Marine working for me. And when I took over, I kept hearing everyone telling me all the things this Marine could not do, could not do, could not do. And I asked one question. Well, what can this person do? What can this Marine do? No one had an answer. So what I did was I sat with this. I said, well, this is the role I'm going to give him. And everyone, and this was people who were older than me, maybe master sergeants, gunnery sergeants, just completely disagreed that I would give this Marine this particular um, task, which was very important in our organization at the time at Camp Lejeune. And I said, look, this Marine is going to succeed because I'm going to make sure I just could not understand how they had just labeled him as a failure already. So I sat down with him, gave him this task. And I'll say this, Peter, I think it helped that I was prior enlisted. So people who are listening to this will say, well, that's because maybe he was enlisted and he could really relate. So I sat down with this Marine and I um, told them the task I was giving him. He was shocked. I said, Hey, I'm going to be with you night and day. I want you to get this right. I understand we may have some challenges and failures, but, you know, that failure is the is it's not the opposite of success is the steps. So let's work this out. And I saw him gain more and more confidence. And I would even sit down with all my troops and say, um, hey, I want all of you guys to go to night school. You know, some of them may have not done well in high school. I said, you have to throw that away. I said, guys, there's certain things you're going to have to do. You need to read. You need to arithmetic you need to you know mm-hmm. it's right so i just said hey take a basic english class take a basic math class so i saw this particular marine really take on that and even the marines that i had in my platoon really take on to um you know really going to school doing some of these things and uh i saw them really take off and in this marine i saw got more confident started working out uh-huh. and just all parts of his life. And I think the most rewarding thing was I met his parents and his mom said, thanks for, uh, you know, really just believing in my son and changing his life. So things like that, I think those experiences are really critical. uh, When I look back on the core, a lot of life lessons and some tough ones too. So don't get me wrong. Some tough ones too, challenging times. Yeah, that's a, that's an inspiring story, Ron. You kind of giving people the chance and, I think that's something that will kind of lead into my next uh, my next section, and that's about you as a as a black veteran leader here at the firm, and kind of what you've done throughout your career. So, in honor of and Black History Month here in February, I know that there's a panel that you're gonna that be on, and that's with a bunch of other leaders at KPMG that are also veterans. So, as a veteran leader here, what kind of impact do you think you've had on the lives of others? And, and what kind of experiences do you want to impart to those that maybe haven't had the same background as you? I'll tell you, first of all, let's say the impact on necessarily the Veterans Network. My second day at KPMG, I was taken to breakfast by uh, Doug, Chris, Eric, 
all the veteran leadership in the Chicago office. So I was able to come in and connect with the group right away. So that was like day two. They knew I was here. I was at breakfast with them that day. And then that evening I was at an event with them. Well, I connected with them very, very quickly because we had a similar like background. We started jabbing at each other around the Navy, Air Force, Army, <laughs> just a lot of you know, jokes. And oh, yeah. it was like I'd known them for a while. Now I'm in the position in the technology enablement group. So I actually lead the Workday Enterprise Performance Management and Analytics Practice on Workday in t and okay. So I get a chance um, to have a practice. I get a chance to um, build a staff build a capability, set a strategy. And what I try to do is get my group involved in that, get my group involved in learning. It was people who took interest in me, such as uh, Mo Treadway, who's here, who really helped me as a young consultant, gave me, stretched me, mm-hmm. gave me tasks that I was like, what am I doing? And you know, I don't truly understand this yet. So I try to do the same things with them. And I think it even greater impact um i'm working with uh aisha uh, now i need to get her last name right or i'm gonna be in trouble but it's uh ty hercule and we are uh leading the ind initiative okay. for brad fisher across t and e so this is everything from women in technology this is everything from inclusivity we're doing things like bringing in a mental um resilient coach from a d1 school baseball school uh, we're bringing in yoga. We're bringing in wow. things that we can connect women, minorities, underrepresented minorities across TE. Mm-hmm. We're also we brought in a mentorship program with 70 percent participation. Uh, we're looking at sponsorship. How do we get more directors to, to MD partners? So th- that has been very, very rewarding. And I'm also, you know, in the BR, uh, African-American BRG leading a mentor group. So I will tell you I have about 10 to 12 associates, senior associates here in Chicago, all Amazing. African-American that I mentor. I have a, um, a also an ally with me, a New Yorker director. And, and those have been some rewarding experience. I mean, it's great. We win projects and we do very, very well. It's kind of table stakes. This gives me the opportunity to go a little deeper and get to know people and impact their lives. I love that, Ron. I love your mention of impact there. I know right now, you know, we're we're hitting on almost a full year of remote working, right? And some of our favorite parts of the of the office <laughs> are being there with people, right? And and, right. and being rejuvenated by the amazing people we work with and the cool office and you know, just just the travel and the stories and everything that's kind of been shared and kind of, you know, at least the pause button's been hit for a lot of that over the last year. So what are you doing and what are you working with these teams and the BRG groups and your mentees to ensure that people feel like they are still making an impact and they still do have this purpose at KPMG? You know, one of the first things I do is I admit to them that this is hard on me. So I'm not going to tell them that I'm just smooth. If there's some days I don't know if I'm coming or going. And it's because I have to get up and come to the same small room that I've been coming to. I mean, I'm living in downtown Chicago, so you can imagine Mm -hmm. the same small room 
that I've been coming through to since the second week of March last year. Yeah. That is not easy. I mean, at one point, I was working in my garage with the door open over the summer. And, I, you know, luckily, I have teams on my phone. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just admit to them that this is not easy. I have challenging days. Some days it's very hard to focus. But um, I reached out to them. I call. We email. We text. Um, I think uh, the whole Uber Eats things where you can, um, you know, have a group meeting. KPMG has done that, and you can send a group Uber Eats. I've done that for a project team. I'm do my, for my practice. I've done that from the for the BRG group. Just those little things. And I've said, call me, text me anytime. Mm-hmm. I checked in on all the African-Americans in my practice, but I check in on my people just to see how they're doing. And it's nothing. It's just how you doing. Are you okay? You know, and, you know, is your family okay? Just trying to connect uh, to make sure. I've got um, one person just had twins in April. I mean, that, that, that's tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure he's okay. That, uh, you know, it's tough being kind of cooped up and i'm a people person so i like to be out and uh being in a little room peter i don't know i used to see you on airplanes every week you know going to dallas but uh look no, i've seen anyone i know any i feel like those days of seeing you on those flights to, to dallas are millennium ago huh ron oh i saw you every week you know on those planes and not right i've seen anyone and, and you know I actually, I'll never take for granted, like, going into the office again. Uh, and I went into the office because yeah. I did want to learn more people in the office. So don't get me wrong, Peter. You know, I, I came in as an MD. I still didn't know that many people in the office. So I still had to go out and try to meet people in the office. And it was a, a young lady who set, put some time on my calendar. We talked last week. And we had met in the office. And she just said, hey, I hadn't seen you in a year. She put 30 minutes on my calendar and we caught up and it was just by just going to the office, saying hi, those mm-hmm. life lessons of trying to connect with somebody who doesn't look like you or whatever, just say hi. And I would tell you or anyone, speak to people when you walk by from uh, the person, the maintenance person to the cleaning person to the consultant. I think it's critical. And I, I like that advice there, Ron, especially you as, as a leader here in the Chicago office and in the country and even in a global leader role, you know, to take time to, to say hi to everybody and to be nice. But I think the one thing that really struck stuck out for me is that the fact is how real you are with your teams. I mean, when you're sitting at home and you're having a bad day and, you know, I definitely have them, I kind of think, well, I'm the only one that's like this, right? Everybody else is just happily at the Aon Center and I'm in this bad position at home. <laughs> you know, in my small apartment, same kind of thing as you in the same, you know, four walls for the last 12 months. But I think it's a fact of like being real with them and realizing that not every day is going to be perfect and and not everybody's going to be in the same situation and having a leader that also emanates that. I think that's, that's pretty valuable. It's so critical. And that's, you know, you learn quickly. I learned as a Marine officer, people will see through. Mm -hmm. What I realized was don't respect me just because because I had bars on. Would you call me, sir, if I took the captain bars, lieutenant bars off? And th- that means they just need to know you as a person and what you stand for. And I think that, you know, I kind of saw that. So it's the same thing here. You know, it's um, being genuine and, and admitting that the pandemic is tough on all of us. 
you think about the pandemic, you think about mm-hmm. what we went through with George Floyd and the yeah. protests and a lot of things and all the way up to right now and the Capitol. I mean, so many things are going on that impacts people. Oh, yeah. That completely impacts people and um, that impacts how they feel about their, their work, how they can concentrate that day. It's a lot of things. And we have to, you know, kind of realize that. And you got to check in on people. Yeah, it's a great point, Ron. So as, as you're kind of thinking about, you know, what's happened over the last 12 months and even your, your experiences before then, what's something you want to leave the people of the Chicago office with as we finish up this podcast? I would tell you to probably have empathy and to probably keep an open mind to learn, to learn new things, to learn people, keep an open mind when someone maybe does not look like you or they're the only one in a group and just, just make sure you're trying to be as inclusive. And and most people are, don't get me wrong. I think most people are, I think sometimes, you know, again, I've been in situations where people talking about a sitcom and a movie and I just had not heard of that or seen it. And if I would have brought up something I had seen, they'd have been like, ah, no, we've never seen that movie. So I kind of know that feeling. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, you really got to bring people into the fold. And we said in the Marine Corps, kiss, keep it simple, stupid, speak to people, get to know (laughs) people, take the time, say hello understand a little bit more about that person, maybe write their name down and just don't be afraid to build those connections. And it's just critical. I have to connect with people who don't look like me because 90% of them are, you know, around me. Well, I like that, Ron, keep it simple, stupid. And, uh, as, as we finish up this, uh, this podcast here, I'm going to hit you with a few simple questions in our famous lightning round. We do five Uh questions, nothing that you need to prepare for. And uh, the kind of first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready for that, Ron? All right, man. The lightning round. Do I get any money after this? Well, it depends no. on well you answer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, number one, if you could attend a large non-COVID-approved gathering right now, like a large concert, sporting event, theater show, etc., what would it be and why? Uh, Cleveland Browns football game. Guys, I grew up in Cleveland. We've been bad for so long. We're turning the corner. I would definitely go see the Browns. Uh, you know, me and my youngest son, he's like all over this one. We need to go see the Browns. Be right there watching the Browns for sure. We're, we're kindred spirits here, Ron, because I'm from Buffalo. So diehard Bills fan, right? We've been bad for so long. Browns and Bills in the playoffs in the same year. I mean, at least there's one good thing that happened in 2020. <laughs> I think only, only people from Buffalo and Cleveland would probably watch that game if they met. But it would be a good one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right, Ron. Number two, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? You know what? I think the support that I had from my family growing up is like amazing. You know, first one to graduate from college. I, it just, I just remember my sister, I would be at college and my sister would send me, I'd get a card and I'd have like $20 and maybe, you know, maybe she only had 40 I just think that the support my uh, sister's parents gave me is amazing. Yeah, that's that's incredible, Ron. Name a historical figure who would be a great Twitter follow. Thinking about where I am today and I go back and study history, I think I would follow um, Martin Luther King. 
and and I don't want to use that as a canned answer. It's just I just think during the sixties, I mean, I could probably you know add in quite a few people when I look at the uh, you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and Jim Browns and people like that and Muhammad Ali's who kind of you know fought for rights. But it would just be interesting to hear you know what he would tweet out. Uh, number four, uh, what's your favorite movie that you could watch over and over again? I thought Injured the Dragon was very good. I saw that in the 70s. I also liked um, Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee. I just thought that was just a great movie. All right, so number five, if you could host a talk show or podcast of sorts, uh, who would be your first guest? I, I would say Colin Powell would be my first guest. I read his book. I just thought it was profound. The lessons that he had, the things that he talked about, how he talked about his life in the inner city, growing up, going to college, all the way to the, you know, Joint Chiefs of Staff, just what yeah. he did. Just, I just thought that was, so he would be the first person uh, I would interview. He's got an incredible story for sure. Yeah, but... he's got a really good story. Yeah, well, I don't have a talk show, but I do have a podcast, and I'm just very happy I got to host you today, Ron, so I appreciate you coming on. It's all good, man. Peter, thank you. Enjoy this, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, and thanks again for everything you do for the office and the community, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you back in the office soon. Thank you for listening to the Shy Chat Podcast. For more information about Ron's journey or his commitment to servant leadership and individual service, please contact Ron Seymour at rseymour at kpmg.com. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about the show. And if you or someone you know has a great story that you think we should highlight, please contact Aaron Bailey at ebailey at kpmg.com or me at prameholt at kpmg.com.